What's up, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Bucks. Kenny Meal Davis is alongside me, and we're going to continue to wrap up the preseason and look ahead. Yana spoke after the game, and he said that there's absolutely no panic within the Bucks locker room after an 0-5 preseason. But I've taken some time to look at the numbers across preseason and some of the big differences uh, from last regular season, irrespective of the obvious knowledge that uh, the lineups weren't exactly the same. But we're going to get into that a little bit more and continue to assess the panic meter when it comes to the Bucks. So let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. I'm your host, Kane Pippen. You can see and hear me on the show Monday to Friday and also find my work over at ESPN. And alongside me to wrap up the week uh, this time from uh, also the Technical Foul podcast, but on this podcast, minimum one time a week. Uh, it is Camille Davis, uh, a fan favorite, it's fair to say. Uh, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen or watch of every day. And if you haven't subscribed yet, you should go ahead and do so because the season is only a week away. And uh, that's when the the real interesting stuff starts, particularly for this Bucks team looking to get things going early here, despite perhaps a couple of key players not going to be on the floor. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Camille, uh, let's just cut straight to the chase. So it's been interesting looking at some of the YouTube comments overnight because I think there was a decent split of people that were saying, relax, it doesn't mean anything compared with people that were saying, fire bud, this team stinks, the era's over. John Horst <laughs> made a huge mistake with this roster. So I think that there's a nice balance, which is what we like to see. Everyone reacts different to these types of things. I'm generally... Uh, more on the optimistic side, which I know actually annoys uh, some people from time to time. But uh, yeah, I, will, I wouldn't say I walked away from preseason thinking that uh, it was an awesome display of basketball. I think that there are some serious question marks for this team. But Giannis himself said, not too worried. It's a preseason. No one remembers preseason. So where do you fit on uh, on that scale uh, of things? Uh, personally, I am more in agreement with what Giannis was talking about, because if you were to ask me how the Bucks have fared in the preseason during the Bud era, I'd be like, I, I do not know. I cannot recall. I do not remember. Um, what I remember is how the seasons themselves played out. So preseason in itself, like I can understand if there are fans who are uh, worried or concerned, I would guess that a lot of those fans who are worried and concerned about the preseason might be um, some of the same folks who felt as if the Bucks didn't do enough in the offseason, who already had some concerns about what this team makeup looks like because they're like, hey, I see some glaring holes. I don't think we're as good. I don't think we were just a Chris Middleton away from beating Boston or whatever the case may be. So I could see if there's some overlap between the camp of people who felt as if the offseason moves weren't enough and that the preseason is a sign of things to come. 
Uh, again, personally, wait and see. A lot of things were happening in this preseason that um, could could affect how the product that we saw on the floor. Uh, we didn't really get to see a chance with to see our starting lineup in part because, again, Chris Middleton is hurt. Um, his interview that he had during the broadcast yesterday was interesting where he said, oh, you know, if I miss the first couple of games or weeks. And I was like, weeks? Like when when did when did we get into the the weeks category, weeks of the first, you know, beginning of the season? So that well, was just started dribbling, Camille. He's not playing for a while. And I was like, oh man. I was like, I didn't this is not the report I, I was hoping to hear. But um no, like I mean we didn't get to see Chris and we all know at this point, or at least I would hope that we all know and acknowledge the importance that Middleton has on this particular Bucks team. We also saw some key role players for the Bucks squad who didn't really suit up regularly. Uh, not having Pat Connaughton is a big blow to this team. Not having Wes Matthews, you know, Giannis didn't play uh, but two games. Drew was in and out of the lineup as well. Uh, the uh, lineup that we had against the Bulls, it tested my my knowledge of just roster. Yeah. I was just like, oh, wait, who who is this coming out here? I'm like, okay. Like I saw who was all not playing and I saw, I was like, so who does that actually leave at this point? So uh, I don't have concerns about the team as a whole at this point. What it does make me think is that we might get off to a little bit of a slower start. It depends on how these injuries are looking. I'm not sure what the injury status is for guys like Pat and Wes. And I know Grayson was out because he was sick and Nassis was sick, although he doesn't get as much playing time. So I think the beginning of the season might be what Giannis also talked about, where he's like, it's just trying to learn to build those good habits, you know, just trying to figure it out how this team is going to work. And then to, as you all have talked about on this podcast, uh, the changes that they're making to the defense. Well, I guess tweak is probably a better word than wholesale changes and seeing how they're able to feel that out and figure that out as well might lead to some bumps in the road early, but overall preseason alone, I'm not necessarily worried about the team. It's preseason. I understand the moving parts that go along with it. Um, and I'm not exactly sure if preseason really dictates uh, your regular season outcomes. I'm not sure if you have those numbers, but I'm not sure the correlation between the two. I think Frank tweeted, and these numbers of, uh, if I try and remember when he tweeted that and what the update is, but I think the Bucks are something like one and 12 or one and 13 in preseason now uh, over the last couple of years. So yeah, they don't typically win. Uh, and you know, Giannis only played the two games, very minimal minutes. I'm not really worried about Giannis in terms of games played. We know that he just came off uh Eurobasket, And also just in general, he's as well conditioned as any athlete in the entire league. So I'm not worried about Giannis from that point of view. Certainly the, <laughs> the defensive, I'm probably going to cough a few times, but certainly the defensive stuff is uh, noteworthy. I've got some numbers I want to get to a little bit later, and it's worth sticking around for those because the changes in the shot attempts that the opposition are getting are seriously drastic. Now, that could be because of personnel as well, so it's a, it's a bit of a watch as we enter the season, but I'm certainly interested to see where the patience sits for this Bucks team when you consider they're missing their best perimeter offensive player, but also trying to change the defense. And as a result of changing the defense, the shot uh, chart for the opposition has already started to look very, very different. So do you fall back into uh, a situation where you say, okay, uh, this defense isn't 100% working for us, but we also don't have the offensive firepower that we wish we had. So now we're going to fall back into what we've done previously. So I just am really curious to see 
uh, the patience for this Bucks team as they move forward. And uh, I think, I don't, you know, certainly, you know, sometimes me and Frank are on the different ends of the scales and, you know, how upset we may get about certain things. But uh, I just think that this game in Philadelphia in particular is just a, a massive unknown for me. Uh, I just really do not know what to expect uh, from this team coming into this game on the road. I mentioned last night on the podcast that the game last year against Brooklyn on opening night was just incredibly reassuring for whatever else was happening in the weeks after that. They lost a, a bunch of games, but I was like, well, I've seen them play like a team that mm-hmm. I think can win the title. Uh, but this year's different. There's no emotional bump of getting your rings. You're not at home and you're on a road against a team that's incredibly motivated because uh, they've uh, gone under or come in under their own expectations for basically my entire adult life. So I, I think it's just going to be an interesting opening night. And uh, I'm curious to see how the Bucks respond, even if on the outside they say that they're not panicking. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's fair. I do think that Philly's a team, as you mentioned, that is coming out with a lot to prove. We also know that P.J. Tucker matching up with Giannis tends to be a little bit uh, more difficult for Giannis. I won't say it's like impossible for him to to get his, but we know P.J. likes to muck things up a little bit. And we are going to have to expect some P.J. minutes there. Very curious to see what this Philly team looks like because I've said before, regular season Philly, I think they're going to be an amazing team. Top three team in the East easily. Uh, health pending, of course, with anything, predictions of that sort. But uh, Philly should be a great regular season team because the questions around that team, for me, always come in the playoffs. Can you actually elevate your game in the playoffs and take that next step? But you give me a team with James Harden and Joel Embiid. Uh, you got Maxie who's coming along there. You got some good role players in Philly now that I feel like fit the actual team a little bit better than what they've had before. Philly is going to be a tough out throughout the regular season. But one thing about basketball that we do have, um, and I don't want to say this as if every game doesn't matter, but there's 82 of them. So you have some time to figure things out. You, of course, want to be playing your best basketball. And once we're approaching that March, April, May, June range, you want to really start clicking in that time after All-Star break and all. But there's 82 games. So if the Bucs do happen to lose against Philly for the season opener, all hope is not lost. You know, it's it's one out of the 82. There's a lot of time to bounce back, a lot of time to grow. But on the same side of that, the NBA is deeper than it has been in quite some time. And generally the rule about, you know, being a team with the good winning percentages, you know, you beat the bad teams, you win at home, then you split the road. So you don't really have too many, like you don't want to dig yourself into a hole given the fact that those bad teams are becoming lesser and lesser. Like it's just not as many as there used to be. Although uh, the tank for, uh, for Vic might, might change that, you know, as we go along a little bit. But at the beginning of the regular season, I expect for a lot of teams to be coming out, trying to play their best ball. Um, so while you don't want to take games for granted, there is some solace and understanding, like it's one out of 82. As long as we're not still having some of those same conversations around game 10, 20, 30, uh, you know, it's 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 all right to, to kind of just wait and see before we start making general reactions about what we think we're seeing. All right, let's get into some of the numbers that I think we are going to track through the early weeks and potentially months of the season when it comes to this defense that we've discussed. Uh, Can they get back uh, to being an elite defense? But we know they have elite defensive 
players. And if you're interested in the Defensive Player of the Year betting markets, you should go to betonline.net, our partners here on the podcast, because betonline.net is your number one source for football betting as well as NBA uh, this season. I think there's a uh, another Thursday night disaster ongoing here as we record this podcast. But you can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game that you can find from any sport, really. Baseball's in there as well as that comes to a conclusion, MMA, boxing, and golf. But back to the defense. So NBA Futures Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Giannis is right up there in the odds, but you can find exactly where he is and see if you think there's value there for you. Drew Holiday, we saw a guard finally break through last year, Marcus Smart. I don't want to get into that again, Camille, but I've had my thoughts on that. But if you're interested in Drew Holiday, you can find him and his odds there for the best uh, defensive player of the year, I should say, at betonline.net. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, these defensive numbers. So if we've thought about the Bucks defense in recent years, you've, for the most part, understood what you were going to get. Uh, a very modern-day ideas in terms of the shots that they want to give up, mid-range, floaters, Limit uh, corner threes if they possibly can. If you're going to give away threes, make them above the break. And it makes sense. When you've got Giannis, you've got Brook Lopez that can protect the paint. You should be shutting down the highest efficiency shot in the game, which is layups and dunks. So here's just some numbers. So overall, and the Bucks had some real struggles on offense, but, you know, weird lineups. And this does apply to the defense, but you can see what they're trying to do. So defense... Uh, the defensive rating, 114.3, was dead last for all teams in the preseason. I think we we were watching. We saw. But when it comes to the actual shot attempts, it's interesting. So opposition points in the paint. They gave up, gave up 51.2 points in the paint in the preseason. Uh, just for um, some perspective there, last season they gave up 43.7 points in the paint, mm-hmm. which was fourth in the NBA during the regular season. And that wasn't a year where Brook Lopez missed most of the regular season. So the dynamic changed a little bit there. But uh, that's a significant shift. An extra eight points per game in the paint. The efficiency was through the roof. I know at one point the Chicago Bulls were 20 for 25 on twos during that game uh, the other night. And again, we know there was different people playing. But it just goes to show that teams in the preseason, no matter who has been playing, have found it easier to score within the perimeter, particularly close to the basket. And when it comes to the three-point shots, so they wanted to limit three-point attempts from the opposition, or that's a, a general theory that we've heard passed on from Bud and obviously Charles Lee as well, and it's been reported by uh, specifically our man Eric Name at The Athletic. But in the preseason, they only gave up 4.2 three-point attempts from the corner, which was obviously the lowest number across the league because it's a very low number, 4.2. So it was 8.9 last year in the regular season. So they've slashed that in half and more and then some three-point attempts above the break last year they gave up 31.5 which was the highest number in the league in the preseason they gave up 24 so they've slashed that by almost eight attempts as well and overall they've slashed the opponent three-point attempts by uh close to uh, well 12 to 13 three-point attempts in uh in the preseason so if their idea is to defend the perimeter a little bit more aggressively and uh, give up fewer three-point attempts, 
then they achieved that goal based on those numbers, Camille. Yeah, and you threw a lot of numbers out there that had me just kind of going like, okay, wait, okay, that's interesting. So thinking, thinking it through. And again, it's a small sample size at this point. We're looking at preseason numbers with the understanding that we didn't have our full team. The lineups were kind of wonky here and there. So some of the things might be skewed, but just thinking about the scheme itself, um, I see the potential in it. Like it makes sense. And one of my biggest gripes with the Bucks defense was I felt that at times they overhelped on some of those drives and they left. I'm like, you don't have to help that much. Like you can just show a little bit and get back a little bit quicker, but it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out because um, on tech file this week, we had a conversation about the Packers defense, which I'm going to connect to here. I'm, some people probably don't want to hear anything about the Packers after what they did in London, but uh, it's a question of is it scheme or is it talent? Because it's one of those things when looking at the Packers defense, I'm just like, well, they have the individual talent. Why is it not showing up in game? Like, is it the scheme? Is that the case here? When I think about the Bucks, they hear the numbers that they have been able to achieve in this preseason while the inside the arc numbers aren't favorable. And as you mentioned, the Bulls just were cooking uh, during that preseason game. It's interesting to think about the personnel, the individual talent there. Um, and then also think about the scheme, because if you think about a lineup, uh, you know, with Drew, with Wes, with Chris, with with Giannis, with Brooke, um, that scheme, <laughs> it has a better chance of success because you have better on ball defenders executing the scheme in that moment. But now if you have a lineup out there when you throw in Grayson Allen and you're throwing in Bobby Portis and no shade to them at all or anything like that. But the defense just isn't uh, as high of a skill set at this point with them as their offensive game is. Um, so the scheme might look a little different with that personnel in the game. So I'm really interested to see just when you're putting the people in position here, like who is executing the scheme? Well, do they have to make adjustments for certain other players who might be on the court in their particular skill set? I'm just curious to see how that looks, but uh, to hear they set out to reduce the number of threes that are shot against them, especially in that corner, they have done that. Uh, and it seems as if at this point they're going to try to play the math game the other way for the most part with these teams where it's kind of like, listen, we understand the league is changing. More people can shoot well. More teams are, you know, offense is just more uh, geared towards that three-point line. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to just seeing how the scheme and the talent actually mesh without as much help because although, again, I see get frustrated at how they helped and overhelped at times, uh, it did help <laughs> those weaker defenders having that, you know, that guy behind them, having that guy showing, making the defender that they're supposed to be responsible for really consider what their next move is going to be. So it's interesting as I, as I still shuffle through some of these numbers. So again, and this is why I have some optimism to your point, Camille, that when the guys come back in a lineup that you would say uh, not just individually, but the combination of players are, are your elite lineups. <clears throat> I, I think that you're going to be in a position to have more success. So they gave up 26.2 field goal attempts within five feet per game, 26.2. And again, I know, as you said, I am throwing a lot of numbers out there. So hopefully it's not too confusing, but 26.2. So that actually ranked pretty well in the league for preseason. That's in the top sort of six to seven teams in terms of opposition field goal attempts uh, in that area. Now, the problem is 
that teams on those 26 shots were shooting 74%, which was the highest in the league by a significant way. I mean, 74%, that's that's Giannis numbers within five feet, mm-hmm. uh, and that's elite, and that's going to cause you uh, some serious problems. And then, as we've discussed, if you have guys that are out of position, are they more inclined to foul, uh, to reach, all those types of things, send teams uh, to the free throw line. So, yeah, it, the numbers are, are just interesting at the moment because it gives you a rough guide potentially of what they're trying to do. Uh, yeah, we discussed this when the story first came out, when you talked about the overhelping. I think it's just been extreme mm-hmm. for a number of years. And that has, in a lot of ways, it completely either A, stopped players from trying to score at the rim against the Bucks because they can see Giannis is lurking right there and he's about to swap their shot into the 14th row. Uh, but also, you know, NBA players are pretty smart, Camille. And if they see a guy that's helping that far, one pass to the corner and then easily it's it's another swing to the wing and then generally you're going to get an open look from three. And as we've discussed, most players can shoot it from out there now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe the addition of some of those players help. But I think that those numbers are something that I'm going to continue to look at through the early part of the season. Yeah, I definitely hope you do. And that's something that's brought up just throughout the season on the podcast because it will be interesting to track because we know that Bud loves his defense. He prides himself on putting out teams that, you know, really value that side of the ball. And we saw the Bucks kind of slid a little bit last year. One can call them reasons as to why, you know, with Brooke Lopez being out. Others might call them excuses. Just depends on what side of the fence that you're on with this Bucks team and the roster construction. So, yeah, I'm definitely – going to be interested to see what those numbers look like throughout the season, especially as uh, one Brooke is adjusting to this because while Brooke has been an outstanding rim protector, he's going to get tested a lot more. It seems like without as much help. So it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts to that as well. And also just seeing how players who've been in the system for some years now. So thinking of a a Giannis, a Chris, Pat, uh, so on and so forth how often do they slip back into those old habits because it's just ingrained into them. So (laughs) it'll be some things to watch and just kind of pay attention to. Like if you're just into that type, like that, the details of basketball really is what it comes down to. And that's kind of fun to me just to kind of see the adjustments that are made and what tweaks they do. Because uh, like you mentioned, the, the helping was very aggressive. It was an extreme help uh, defense that the, the team executed there. And I'm really curious to see if at some times they still employ that, but just at a lesser degree. Yeah. And we've spoken about the defense a lot on this podcast because it's yeah, for the most part been pretty reliable, pretty stable. As we said, even though last year, obviously the numbers dropped back to the middle of the pack a little bit. Um, and I should note that, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how fans react if there are some issues on the defensive end, because again, it's, it's the old, in my opinion, Mike Budenholzer can't do anything right because mm-hmm. if he just plays, the way that they've played previously, you win a bunch of regular season games. That's great. Uh, but then you get accused of not experimenting, not trying different things. So, you know, I, I don't think you can have it both ways. It's just, uh, again, I've said for a long time, this Bucks team, I, I love the team. I think that they can win a title if everyone's healthy, but they simply can't afford, as we saw last year, to lose one of their mm-hmm. top three players, obviously Giannis, but they, they can't afford to lose you know, Chris or Drew as well. So it's just going to be an interesting start to the season. And I think the final point I wanted to make is just, you know, with Giannis, 
we've been able to for so long and this is i mean he has carried this team there's no doubt about that we know he's the best basketball player in the world but he's always gotten better and he's come back and there's something added to his game and you've always marveled at the fact that geez what's he going to bring to the table this time and he doesn't have to bring anything new to the table and he's still going to average 30 points 13 rebounds probably be in the top two or three for the mvp potentially defensive player of the year so he doesn't have to get better, but he always has got better. Um, and it's just interesting this year, you play EuroLeague, you come back. Uh, it's just going to be fascinating to see if he if he has that in him mm-hmm. again. The mid-range, we know we talk about a lot. The free throw stuff he tweaked, obviously, last year with the routine. And generally, you know, 70 plus percent around that 75 percent mark would be lovely. But, you know, it's just interesting with him who's... He's, as I said, he's carried this team for so long. Is there anything else that he's going to pull out through this season? Because um, for so long, it's been something that you just sit back and say, well, Giannis is going to get better. But he's already so good. Can he just continue to get better? Or is he? Or is his uh, you know, standard just simply MVP level and uh, defensive player of the year and best player in the world? Who knows? I mean, that's the thing with great players. They're always looking to see how they improve. I'm not sure if you've checked out the Redeem Team documentary on Netflix yet. It's maybe tonight, potentially tonight. It's 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 really good. But one thing that was really uh, driven home for me while watching it when they were talking about Kobe, like there's a story in there where the team is going out. They're in Vegas. They're going to have a night out. They ask Kobe if he wants to come. And he's like, no, nah, I'm all right. I'm going to go to sleep. As the team's coming back to the hotel at like four or five in the morning, they see Kobe in the lobby and he's getting ready to go work out as they're coming back in. And they're all like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm heading to the gym. So they're just kind of like, wow, like that's different. And as it goes on, more of the guys start joining Kobe at these early morning sessions. And Carmelo was just kind of like, Hey man, look, that's too early for me. I'm not going to go do that right now. Uh, But it, it just goes to show that like Kobe took every ounce that he had. He had a lot of talent. But he also had that drive and that will and that dedication to improve his craft. Like there was never any contentment with what he already achieved. And you see that in Giannis as well. Like while Giannis already might be, as you mentioned, a guy who can give you 30 and 13 easy every night, probably like four or five assists, a couple of blocks still. He's going to fill up the stat sheet. But it's like, where can he improve at? And we've seen where he's trying to take steps in his game. He's been working on the post game. He's been working on the the moving mid-range shots, different mid-range shots. If he can continue to get better in those areas, as well as continue level of dominance that he's had around uh, the restricted area in the paint, like it's just like maybe he goes from being a guy who's giving you thirty a night to giving you thirty five. Like it, it's along those margins where it's like he will improve. It's just seeing which part of the game we can actually see that growth in and can kind of go back and track because there are some people who even last year were saying, "Oh, he's a terrible mid range shooter and he's passing," and I'm like. He, he was shooting, I believe, like somewhere a pretty decent percentage from mid-range last year. I want to say it was in the mid to high 40s, which you know, not like elite, but uh, he was a pretty decent mid-range shooter last year above some other names who you might think in your head is a better shooter. Um, so if he can continue just to improve along those lines. And then also, I'm curious to see how he looks defensively this year, um, where he's kind of able to not have all that help around him as well. Because there's a level of pride, too, when it comes to defense, where it's like, I'm keeping my man in front of me. It's on me. It's my assignment. I'm going to do it. And I'm looking forward to seeing how personal he takes some of these individual matchups where he knows it's him 
and the guy, and he's the only thing defending, you know, the rim between him and the other guy. So there's going to be ways that he improves. He's still young and he still has that drive. He has that Mamba mentality for sure, for sure. And I don't see that, that changing in him. So uh, as always, I'm just looking forward to watching Giannis play. Like we're a couple days away from some real basketball that counts for something. And that's exciting. Yeah. Sign me up for whatever it is that ends up coming uh, with Giannis this year. And just one final point. Uh, you mentioned the defensive stuff. It will be interesting because <coughs> I've I've said, you know, over the last couple of seasons that I thought with the defensive principles as well, there was some self-preservation there in terms of, you know, it does in certain situations allow guys to to not be you know, defending one-on-one out in an mm-hmm. island over and over and over again. Uh, you know, Giannis referenced the lack of energy a little bit uh, with the team. Now, is that, you know, just some training camp stuff and, uh, you know, obviously potentially jet lag, those types of things. It'll be interesting, but all these things are going to be fascinating to watch through the early part of the season. And uh, you could argue that we haven't had a lot of intrigue entering a season the last couple of years. We say, okay, well, let's see what happens in the regular season. Let's get to the postseason. That's still the case, uh, but there are some differences uh, with this team. But uh, to your point, I think the one constant is uh, what Giannis is uh, going to bring to the table for this Bucks team. And uh, I'll tell you what else you can do. You can listen to the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 a six episode extravaganza to get you ready for the nba season uh, this is live now so that all the experts from across uh the lockdown network discussed uh different teams in different categories the bucks are in the contender category and uh you have the insiders of the lockdown podcast network and odyssey that all came together for this one so search the ultimate pro nba preview 2022 on your odyssey app youtube or wherever you get your podcasts uh this is the last basketball free weekend we're gonna have for a little while i think the bucks are doing an open scrimmage so perhaps yep. some bucks fans will get out there and they'll check out the scrimmage i'll probably have a look at it uh, from home and see who's playing and who's available maybe wesley matthews will get out on the basketball court that would be nice to see uh but uh, it's kind of the calm before the storm now camille and uh this time next week when we hang out we'll have a game to talk about. Yes, cannot wait. And also looking forward to the open scrimmage. It's always a fun uh, environment just to be able to kind of watch them practice and walk around the arena, sit where you want to sit as long as you're there early enough um, and just chop it up with some friends and other, you know, Bugs fans. So I'll definitely uh, be in the building. So if anybody sees me, go ahead and give me a little wave, say, hey, don't be a stranger. And uh, it's it's, it's almost that time. It's exciting. Next week, Tuesday, we get some some NBA basketball back. Not 100% certain, but I think Camille will be walking around uh, Fiserv Forum with boxes of uh, Bilt Bars. So <laughs> <laughs> get around and there might be some freebies there. Uh, all right, Camille. All the best to you this weekend and the Packers. Hopefully uh, you're smiling uh, early next week and that goes for all our friends that uh, are Packers fans. Uh, I'm not one of them. I don't really have any (laughs) allegiance to any team, but I just want everyone to be happy. So all the best for your team on the weekend. We'll be back with Locked On Bucks on Monday.